Welcome to The Realtor Lady. I'm Michelle Riplogle. Hi, this is Michelle Riplogle, and you are with The Realtor Lady. And today, my special guest is Camille Schwartz. This is a buyer. We are going to interview a buyer and their experience buying in our very fun 2021 market. I just interviewed a real estate agent and she talked about how her buyers were getting just slammed out there. But I'm really excited to talk to someone who experienced it firsthand, you know, in the buyer's seat, as it were. So I have a few questions for you. The first one is, we'll just kind of start at the beginning. Your decision to hire an agent, what was that like? What did that involve? Um, reading a lot of Yelp reviews, honestly. Oh. Just like looking online, trying to find other people's experiences. Um, I don't have a ton of friends that have bought in the area, so I I didn't really have the kind of word of mouth recommendations, but um, just reading reviews and, and reaching out to a couple people um, that, that seemed great. And that's pretty much it. Well, you chose a great one, but. I know I did. Uh, that that was kind of cool actually when when we first talked because I I put out so much content it's kind of weird sometimes because I talk to people now and I they I kind of feel like they know me a little bit and I don't know them so people can be kind of comfortable with me after they watch a few videos where I'm I'm kind of new to like oh hey because I don't have any videos of of you it's always kind of like oh wow well, you, I mean, it was really easy. I think our first meeting was on Zoom because of COVID, um, but it was a very easy, I was like, oh, I like her. Oh. She, she's easy and fun to talk to. It is easy and fun. The hard part really comes in for buyers. I feel like when they they just put, they, they put the wrong foot forward and it, it's like raising children in a way you kind of have to, wait for this process to go through. And sometimes it's kind of painful that, okay, we're not going to get this one, but let's do it anyway. And kind of just kind of go through the motions and the procedures. And then when you kind of get where you really want it, then, then you kind of know what to do. But tell us a little bit about the buying process there. I want to hear about your struggles and kind of what, you know, at your house or conversations with your family, what, what was it like for you? Um, it was, I mean, when I, I think when I first started looking, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted. I was open to a lot of different things. And so we just kind of went and looked at a bunch of stuff and I did fall in love with like the first house was the second house, but on the first day we went looking, um, and it was so cute, little Creekside property. And I was like, shoot, is it? is it too soon to start making offers? Like, should I see more houses? But I just loved it. So that's, that is one of the the questions that come up for a lot of buyers is often 
they they like the first thing they see but really in reality and i'm not sure what your experience was but a lot of times by the time a buyer gets to an agent they really have seen a lot of houses and oh yeah you know um and because of covid maybe not in person but sometimes by the time they'll get to me in a regular year and market they've actually already been going to open houses or they've been getting appointments and they've been seeing houses so what may seem like the first one really maybe not I'm sure you looked at a lot of houses online. Oh, like I was on, I spent a stupid amount of time on Redfin before I ever got in touch with an agent. And I just was like, Ooh, maybe like there's something out there that I can, can get my hands on. And hmm. so I, I had looked at a lot of things and there's still one that I looked at before I was actually ready to buy that I think of as like kind of one that got away, even though I, I had, I didn't even try. Oh, it was just very cute and like kind of quirky looking and felt in. And um, I couldn't be more pleased with how things turned out for me, but I, I still like kind of think about that house a little bit. Was that the white kind of colonial looking one? Yeah. So what were your frustrations? You'd had a few, I, I know that uh, we did write an offer on a property that did finally close. I don't know if you saw Woodland Way closed for 735. Oh yeah, I did see. Um, and I know we offered more than that. What, what, was your, what was your thinking on that? Was what happened there or what? I, I offered a lot more than than what they closed for. And so I've just kind of been trying to figure out what kind of, I mean, I didn't waive all the contingencies because they didn't provide an inspection and it's, you know, a quirky Riverside property with a foundation crack. So I'm not gonna, I, it just wasn't in, just wasn't I didn't want to do that. <laughs> didn't seem wise for me. And I, I assume that the, the people who ultimately bought it did waive all their contingencies, but I just, I wonder what kind of deal they got that made it lucrative for them to take an offer that that was that much lower than mine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the house that got away for you. No, no, it wasn't. And by that, I mean, I had, by the time that closed, I'd been living here for at least a few weeks oh, in the house I ultimately ended up with. So I just kind of chuckled. Yeah. Most of the houses I didn't get, I ended up just kind of chuckling about just because they went either so much over list and especially at the beginning when I was first making offers, seeing how much things went for and, and what the counters came back as. Most of the time I just had to laugh. <laughs> I, I think not getting that, that one house on Broadway, even though it was so cute, I, I, think, that's, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I, that's the one that I laughed the hardest about. I could not, I mean, it was listed at like, like 890. Listed at, it was listed at 850 and then it ended up selling for, like I mean, they countered it just shy of a million and I just laughed. I was like, that's not in the budget. Uh, I, <laughs> that's ridiculous. And so I just laughed. What else can you do? Yeah, well, that, that that's good. Um, okay. Well, the, I guess the most frustrating part then would probably be for you with just how think, how, how crazy it was, maybe not, not knowing wasn't a problem as much as just how nutty it was getting. 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, it was hard to know what to even offer and like, we did, I, I, you gave me great advice and we did end up getting counters, I think on every property that we offered on, which was awesome. Um, so at least like got to stay in the running, but it was just kind of nuts and, and not knowing what, you know, what was going into the, the decision-making process on the seller's side, even with like my, if I was making a super competitive offer and still losing out for who knows why, you know, those were the really frustrating ones when I was so close. <laughs> the one, the, the only one I think that really crushed me in the process was McLellan. The, the little house on McLellan was so quirky and fun. And I had like redesigned the whole thing in my head. So, yeah. Oh, I, I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do with the kitchen. And this is how I'm going to change this. And because it needed a little bit of, of work and I was, but I was into it. I was like, I'm going to make this my own. And, and that, I think that was the only one that really got me. That was a thousand dollars difference. Yeah. Yes. And I still, I'm like, did they offer slightly less than me and have something else in their offer and the agent just asked them to bump it up. Did they just happen to offer $1,000 more than me? Like it's, that's, it's so close. That's the frustrating part, but you got back on the, you got back out looking and, and didn't let it, I mean, some buyers get, they do get crushed and then they, they don't buy. And sometimes they leave Santa Cruz. I mean, they just get so just, just so sad by the process or just like, ugh, we're just going to go live somewhere else. I mean, I can understand that. Cause I, I do have friends that actually just got their offer accepted in St. Louis and they're, I mean, they bought a house for like, I don't know, 425 and it's like a five bedroom yeah, giant, like, so, you know, totally different scales, but I also have a nice backyard that I can use year round and feasibly can walk to the beach. So I'm willing to pay a little bit for those. Yeah. Or just get the benefit of our, our more calmer weather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can not have to worry about snow all winter and shoveling the driveway. Oh no. Especially this, the house that I ended up buying has that big circle driveway. Um, and I, would sure not be interested in shoveling. So what's your, what's your advice to buyers out there? What would you tell them? Um, suck it up and keep going. <laughs> it, that, I mean, that's essentially what I told myself, like after, you know, I think this house, I want to say was my seventh offer. Boy. And by this point, I was just like, all right, balls to the wall. I want this house. I'm tired of this shit. Like, let's make it happen. And I, I had kind of done that on the um, the previous house, the one on Woodland. But, you know, I'm I'm glad that it didn't work out. I'm glad that things worked out this way. I, there are so many wonderful things about this house, but kind of just, it gets super frustrating and 
just have a good sense of humor about it and don't take it keep personally. The faith that, yeah, don't take it personally and keep the faith that the right house will work out. Yeah, yeah. I like, I mean, now that I'm in this house, I don't really even think about, I've forgotten about like half the houses that I offered on. And, you know, I like they don't, they're not even a thought in my mind. I love this house. It's perfect for me. And I get to have so much fun in the backyard. But, you know, at the time, it felt a little bit soul crushing on some of the ones that I did not get. <laughs> I know people always say that to me. Um, well, there's a couple of things that people always say to me. First off is generally once a contract accepted, I usually hear the comment, when do I get keys? Which always cracks me up because my husband, I'll come home and he'll go, well, how are they doing? I'm like, well, they asked for keys today. So he knows that that person is all in, moving ahead. It's just funny. But the other thing people always ask is, well, what if this is the one that got away? What if I get another house and I just think about this house? And it's like, it just doesn't happen that way. I'm asking you about it, but you may not really actually recall any of those older houses as you're out in your backyard and in your your house. No, I don't think about them. And I And when I do, honestly, I'm grateful that I didn't get them because, you know, with the Glen Haven house, it was tiny, which was fine. I don't need a ton of space, but it was like a third of the house was master bedroom. And I loved the property and location, but this house is a better fit for me and my lifestyle. I like to have friends over and, you know, the Broadway house was already there was no room to make it my own. It was awesome. And the, the backyard was nice, but this backyard is like double the size. It's huge. I get to have so much fun with it. There are so many things that you can do. You oh, know, yeah. the big apple tree we took out, which was sad. We had it. Oh, that is sad. I, yeah, I'm still discovering what all the fruit trees are. My, my peaches are starting to get ripe, which is super exciting. There's peaches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the back corner by the fig tree, there's a peach tree. It's pretty big. I'm going to have a ton of peaches, which I'm thrilled about. They're my favorite fruit. Exciting. Yeah. And I think an apricot and maybe plums, some kind of mystery stone fruit. We'll see what happens when they ripen. Do you can at all or do you? Will you? I'm about to be. <laughs> With the peaches. I mean, fun. Yeah, I one of the the things i learned to do in the pandemic is um is canning because my neighbors at my um my last place and i all had huge gardens and so we all had way too many tomatoes so we canned and we made bloody mary mix tomato paste salsa all kinds of fun stuff so i'll probably end up doing some of that with my peaches um and also i think i'm gonna blend them up and freeze them as ice cubes to use in bellinis Woo. That's yeah, awesome. it's kind of fun. I always, I yeah. always think about that. Um, there's that moment when we bought our first house where there was stuff that we found that was like, oh, we didn't know this is really cool. And finding a peach tree or, or under the, at your house, under this kitchen cabinet, the light goes on. Yeah, I discovered that the first day and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, so this kind of, there's, Every property has their like, oh, I didn't know it had this. It's kind of kind of fun. Yeah, the um, the other things that I found when I was getting settled in was the silverware drawer has two layers, which 
I, that would never even occur to me, but it's awesome. <laughs> like, but I, when, when I first noticed that I was like, I don't know what to do with this, but I love it. Don't worry. I've since figured out what to do with it. Um, but the other thing was the garage door is so quiet. Isn't it lovely? It's incredible. Yeah. It doesn't shake the whole house. No. And I pressed the like button to close it from inside. And I was like, oh shoot, it must not have received the signal or whatever. And I go out there and I was like, oh, it is closing. It's just that quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Nice door. Um, so perseverance pays off, hang in there. Don't yes. Have a good sense of humor about it. And the lending and process, I, okay, was that stressful? Sometimes that really stresses people out. No, I didn't really find it stressful. I, I had an, a pretty easy time with it. It just, I guess like we ended up closing like one day late or something, but which by that point I was like, just let me get in the house. I just want to be in the house. <laughs> um, but it wasn't really stressful. It was just, it, it actually went pretty smoothly. And I, I have heard from other people that like the escrow process and, and securing a loan and stuff are stressful, but I really didn't find it stressful. I think for me, it's super stressful, but I'm self-employed. So they're always asking for stuff that I have to, you know, get on a ladder and dig through tons of paper for it's yeah it's a little easier for for me since i'm i just you know have a typical w2 job and i can just submit that and yeah doesn't take you know nearly as much it, i can imagine it being much more stressful in in different situations but i have a a pretty easy and you know I, before i bought the house it's not like i had other assets or right anything dry, you know, it was a, a pretty simple, straightforward process just because I'm kind of just getting started. And then lastly, what did you think about the barrage of disclosures? It's one of the, my just pet peeves as a real estate agent is that we keep hammering you guys with disclosures and, and I think they should be more concise because the ones that have the real information sometimes get bogged down in the the Santa Cruz water district water conservation, which comes in triplicate, but then something that might have some really valid information is, you know, only a, a paragraph long somewhere. And it's like, where was that? I want to read that again. And I, you know what, at some point I just, and, and maybe I shouldn't admit this, but at some point I was just like, I'm going to sign it. Like, I'm going to buy the house. Like I, I read, I mean, I read everything that I got and luckily it kind of came in, um, slowly, like little bits at a time, which was, I think helpful, but the man, the final day signing stuff with the notary, <laughs> it was, it was a lot, but you know, I, and since I ended up co-purchasing with my parents and my mom is, highly detail oriented. I kind of had that room to not be as stressed about the disclosures because I knew she had had pieced through them with a fine tooth comb. I think if I had ended up getting one of the houses that I was going in on by myself, I 
would have been a lot more stressed about reading the disclosures because there's just so much information and yeah like at at some point it all just kind of blurs together and at least for me i'm like i don't even know what i'm reading anymore yeah that's i i totally get that i i feel like there needs to be a maybe a, maybe the cycle should be that we give you the seller disclosures and maybe the the natural hazard disclosures the ones that are kind of the big ones first and then the rest comes later and then some agents they'll trickle me this stuff so you just you know monday tuesday wednesday you get all this it's just like can we help the consumer and help pace them through these disclosures and not just throw them at them but i mean the, all the disclosures like the ones that I got, you know, pre-sale and pre-offer kind of thing were, I got into a pretty good groove with reading those. I think the first time I was reading them, it was kind of overwhelming because there's like the inspection reports. And then if you're buying anywhere like out of the city, you're looking at septic reports, termite reports, seller disclosures, like all, there's so many. And the first one, maybe two were kind of overwhelming, but after that, it got a lot easier to know what I need to look for. And, and so those, I, I did read through all of those pretty carefully myself. It was, you know, later on after we were in escrow that I was kind of like, oh boy, <laughs> that was the time when I was just like, there's so many forms and they all kind of say the same thing. They do. They really, and especially with the loan stuff, it's like, I don't know. And not actually, not really the loan stuff, but just generally like the escrow forms and whatever you have to sign so many things that say almost the same thing. And you're pretty sure you've already signed it online, but you can't like, there's yeah. so many that are so similar that you just keep signing. Yeah. It's quagmire of, of just all these forms and it, they've just come up with a new one for fires. And I was like, that's great guys, but here's the thing you need to have some stuff that makes it easier for the consumer to understand because I didn't understand what it was. I've read it a few times and some of it, I just like, they keep giving them to us and we're like, what does this mean? We have to keep going to classes and then they're going to change our whole contract this year. Oh, why? I don't know. I don't know. Just to switch it up, keep it confusing. I think it's always with the slant that it's supposed to be more consumer centric, but more than likely of the the agents that are using it are confused and we're going to have a lot of confused buyers and sellers because they got to look at them. Yeah. But I have in the age of technology and where we are in terms of signing stuff, I have a lot of people that aren't really, they just really aren't looking at most of it and really relying on me to say, you need to read this because there's just so much coming at them. Um, I was going to bring up something. Oh, so when you were reading disclosures all the way through, did it help you though? I mean, did the, each package get a little easier? Was it? Oh yeah. Okay. Cause I'm always, even when buyers are first starting and they're like, well, I don't really care much for this property. And I'll say, do you want me to send the disclosures? And they'll say, yeah. And I say, could you read them because it'll help you for the one you want? Like if you could understand the, the disclosures and the reports that way, when the one that comes along that you need to move fast, no physical contingency, you're ready. Yeah. It got way easier. Like the first one, I, like I said, I was overwhelmed, but as you know, as I looked at more and more houses and I, I don't even know how many houses we went to see, um, 
but a lot of them, you know, I'd get the disclosures beforehand and I could read through inspection reports and figure out what to look for while I was there and see right. kind of how, you know, how big of a deal it looked like. Do I need to fix it right away? How much is it going to cost? And, you know, be able to factor that stuff into my decision on whether to offer or how much to offer. Um, that was the help. I found that really helpful. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of cool. You read them before you went. I don't get that very often. Oh yeah. I am. I, I come by it. Honestly, I get it from my mom, but I like to be, I like to have all the information I can have <laughs> as soon as I can have it. So I can make the best informed decision. So with all those things, you know, if I had it beforehand, I would read it before and go look for, you know, things that had, had stood out from the report, like, you know, wood rot in the stairs, is it going to have to be fixed immediately? Like, can I safely walk down them kind of stuff? Whereas, and there are a couple houses that I think we went back to a second time after I had done the disclosures so that I could get a better look and be like, I don't remember that. I want, I want to see if it's actually a really big deal. Right. Yeah. The reports can be like, I had two houses on occasion. You had emailed me and I'd said, I read the reports and I really just don't like the direction this property is going in terms of future problems. And we, we didn't go see them and they do help if we have a chance to actually get into them and, and get those disclosures up front. But I can't always get those or I can't get, sometimes I can't get the most pertinent information, which is always frustrating with the market moving so fast. Yeah. I did like, um, that, a lot of because the market here moves so fast a lot of sellers already had home inspections done and i could read through that before making an offer um and you know make it a stronger offer by removing physical contingencies assuming that the inspection was clean which i did on this house um at least in the counter round i don't remember if it was in the first offer but it it's nice to have that information so you know exactly what you're getting into instead of getting into escrow and then being like oh man I didn't see this. I didn't know this. Right. And there's hints sometimes around too that we can pick up on, but yeah, the report and the reports don't always have everything too. That's the other thing is, you know, home inspectors miss stuff, you know, us guys miss stuff too. So it's always good to, yeah, see it. And of course, read the disclosures, but that's a good idea to read them before. I mean, if you think you're really interested, I don't think we went to we didn't go on flying rounds of houses that you weren't interested in. So no, that was, that no, was. we went only to houses that I was like, Oh, this could be cool. And, and there were a few times, like there was one day when we went to see three different houses in Felton and the one I thought would be my favorite, I actually didn't care for. And the one that I was just kind of like, well, we're there anyway. And it looks kind of cool. Um, ended up being my favorite and I honestly, I'm not sure why, because it was like, it was quirky. It had that downstairs technically storage area that was staged as a bedroom that was like my exact height of ceiling where I could just graze the top of my hair on it. And I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> um, and, and it got higher. It was just the entry to that room. So it wasn't totally, I mean, it wasn't totally great. I was going to turn it into a walk-in closet, but um I, I just thought that was so quirky and fun. And then the room, like the bigger room right outside it had those super high ceilings. And it just looked like a tiny 
like elf door and I thought it was really cute. <laughs> it's just, there's something a little magical about it. Yeah, it just felt like a little like forest fairy cabin and I thought it was fun. <laughs> um, I've been showing um, houses to buyers right lately and they're like, it has a two car garage and we've been to two places or three that have had two car garages and they're so rare. They're so rare. They're usually made into another room. A full two-car garage to see just this big garage. It's, it's, they're like, is this common or why is this such a big deal? I'm like, because they're all built out. All yeah, there. I like, did we look at a single place with a two-car garage? I don't think so. I think we looked at some places without garages and a lot of like large one cars, but I feel like not many houses in Santa Cruz have a two-car garage. Yeah, there's there's a you know there's a couple areas that do, but it is uncommon. Or they're not a true two-car garage once you get in them. Yeah. Yeah, I think mine's one and a half, which is great because I can put my car and all of my obnoxiously large Christmas decorations um, <laughs> in there, and there's plenty of space for other stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a nice garage. Uh, so hang in there, read the disclosures. Anything else you want to add before we sign off? Um, find yourself an agent that makes it fun. Cause otherwise it can be a real drag. <laughs> I, yeah, we did have fun. And we did. Yeah. I actually missed when you, <laughs> when you went into contract, I, I, I didn't unfortunately get to sell you the house, but when you went into contract, I was like, oh, because we used to kind of, it's like house gossip. Did you see what that went for? And all that kind of stuff is always fun for people who, and, and you're really who my podcast was kind of designed for is people who find real estate interesting and some of the stuff that goes on in it. You, now that you've bought a house, you may not have that interest anymore, but you were kind of interested in it as well, like how it worked and it wasn't oh, just- yeah. You're going to help me buy that. You were, you were kind of interested in, in what I was doing and what, how it all works. And, and that was kind of fun too. Not that people, I need people to be interested in what I'm doing, but you were kind of an impetus for me working on this podcast with, to make sure people understand all of the things that kind of even happened behind the scene. Cause there was some times where I'm sure I shared with you, Hey, this is what I really think happened, or this is what I see happening. Um, there was a house that you bid on, but I cannot say which one, where I think that the agent that we were competing against, I think that she might have pushed her to take their offer and because I've worked with her before and she's an interesting. So the person who got it, I had a lot more understanding about how that whole process worked. Yeah, and that that helped me a lot also, at least hearing kind of your ideas and and as to, you know, why I wouldn't have gotten through on that one. Yeah. And sometimes it was just basically, and I, I was very careful telling you or any other uh, prospective buyers, sometimes what I share about a property, it's for you as the buyer, but I wouldn't go saying it to a, to a room full of people. Cause what if I'm wrong, but I'd rather tell you what my, my fears are about the property and roll with that with my buyer um, and that, and there are some of those things too that came out 
when we were working together is like, ooh, I don't know. This one just has this wonky thing going on and I'm not sure, you know? Yeah, which I appreciated. I, I like to have all the information that I can. And so having your intuition as someone who has looked at a stupid amount of houses in your career, like you've seen so many houses and you know what to look for and like kind of just to listen and ask and and just trust it because you know what you're looking at and I've you know just started looking at houses and I need that input of like oh you need to look at this like a few times when you pointed out some like slightly sloping floors that I wouldn't have even noticed yeah yeah there's and there's a lot of sloping floors in Santa Cruz too which is really tough because people fall in love with houses and I'll say I think it's gonna be fine but we move, you know, sometimes yeah. we'll get a little antsy about properties. And I was like, we're on a moving planet. Things keep moving. We're not, I can't hold all this still for you. There's, there's, yeah. There's no foundation out there. That's going to keep that from happening. So that's always an interesting conversation. Yeah. Some of them, I think most like the, uh, one of them had a slightly slipping floor that was like, not a big deal. There were a couple that I think, one of them that we didn't even go see because of how much they mentioned the sloping floors. And we were just like, Ooh, yeah, that doesn't sound, that sounds expensive. Yeah. It sounds like an ongoing problem. And if everybody's mentioning it, all the agents and the home inspectors, yeah, it just seemed, you know, and some people are okay with it and it could be fine. Who knows? Yeah. But, but it is the, the scary part. Well, you, you made it, you made it, you, Got to the finish line and got that house and congratulations. Thank you. I love it. I'm I'm thrilled with how everything turned out. Yeah, I think it's a nice house. I noticed this is how I kind of gauge nice houses. I noticed that when me and my husband were there kind of, you know, tidying up or watering, we would stay. And some listings I've had were just there to get in and get out. We got to do some, take the cans out or what, you know what I mean? But we would yeah. go and I'd sweep and then he'd water. And then we, we kind of wandered around and I went, I, that's always a good property, a property where people stay like, or if I'm showing a property and the buyers sit down and they want to sit on the couch and chat for a while, I'm like, keep this in mind when you're making your decision. Cause you are already spending time here and enjoying it. That's yeah. Yeah. And with this one, I think I got to, it also helped that I got to come here a couple of times and, um, have, you know, a little bit more time to think about it. And it was, I mean, it wasn't really that hard of it. Like the yard's great. The house is beautiful. They did a great job of, of updating it, the former owners. And so I don't have to, there's nothing I have to update. I can just see the fun stuff, like the backyard. The, the other thing about your house, and I was in one earlier this week, is when the seller remodels the home for themselves versus a flip. The details yeah. and the quality of the material. So as a buyer, it, it's I think it's prudent to ask, well, they've remodeled, was it for sale or was it for their enjoyment? Because we saw both out there. And yeah tell the difference totally like there are so many 
like the soft close cabinets and the instant hot water and the like highly function the most functional lazy susan i have ever seen um it's all like so well thought out and you know the appliances are really good quality i can't hear the dishwasher it's miraculous like so it it's clear that they put care into it and i think it was the same way with the broadway house they had remodeled it for themselves and it was yeah you could tell yeah it's fun fun and good quality yeah well i want to thank you for being on and and telling your side of it and um congratulations on your new home Can't wait to thank you that. and thank you for having me and um if you ever think of anything else you want to yap out about let me know I'm sure I'll still be reaching out for real estate gossip. I haven't lost that fun. <laughs> uh, I still I still like to kind of look and see what things are going for. Anything less now, because I'm not really looking at the um, real estate websites, but anything that was kind of on the market I, when, when I was looking, um, I still kind of like to see what it went for, just because I'm curious. It's kind of fun. You know, I... I like it. That's kind of the fun thing about being with other realtors when they know what houses go for. Some some just don't actively watch it and some do. And it's it's always fun. We do do house gossip. I miss that. Hopefully it'll get back to normal here soon. Should be pretty soon, hopefully. I know, I know. I'm gonna have an open house today, so we'll see how that goes. Ooh, that's fun. Open houses are back getting out into the public and getting them in. Yeah, it's nice. I had one a couple of weeks ago. I only have people who were really pretty interested. So that was nice. Before we would have open houses that were just basically designed to entertain people. They didn't really have any real interest. That was kind of, I think that's kind of gone away a little bit. I think people who are serious are going right now. Well, yeah, I think if people are still so cautious about where they're going and who they're interacting with, Right. after the past year plus, but it makes sense. You don't have interest. Maybe that's not the place to be. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And uh, I'll let you know when the episode is up. It'll be up in a couple weeks. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Michelle. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening. If you want to talk more, find me on livethesantacruzlife.com on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, or give me a call. My number's in the show notes. Love to hear from you.